Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk Radio. Well, good evening, good evening, good evening, Blog Talk listeners. We thank you again for joining us tonight. I'm my sister, my friend. We are here tonight to talk to you uh, with uh, Minister Randall tonight, but first of all, we just want to give a shout out to our partners, to Miss Beverly Beasley, who is our um, sponsor tonight, and to Greater Lighthouse, to Shady Grove, and to First Friendship, uh, not First Friendship, I'm sorry, First Free Will Baptist Church tonight uh, for joining us, and uh, we're going to go ahead and just get into our program tonight. I'm sure Minister Randall has some wonderful things to tell us tonight. We're going to be talking about holding on when you want to let go. So without further ado, we're going to ask Minister Randall to go ahead and say hello, and feel free to start your program. Well, good evening, good afternoon, Blog Talk listeners. Thank you. Um, I appreciate you, Sister Lewis, for um, allowing the opportunity, and Sister Beverly, uh, for her faithfulness to the community and her organization and allowing us the opportunity to be here tonight. Um, we thank God for this opportunity, um, and we thank you all for all the listeners who are have dialed in or dialing in or listening from your desktop. Uh, as we enter to the last of the year, you know, I, I was just meditating, actually, just a, a few days ago, and then God let me back to this today. Um, just the the course of events that have taken place over the year, and just to um, notice the recent weather issues that we've we've had. Well, I'm going to say weather opportunities where we've had you know the rain and I want to say on Christmas Eve it was like 70 degrees, and then to be freezing today and have tornadoes and flooding and ice and snow, all those things just in a matter of 48 hours, taking place at one time. And I was meditating this morning before we uh, actually spoke to Sir Wilson. I was just thinking about how things change, and just, <laughs> just out of nowhere how things can change and all the events that have taken place this year in my personal life, uh, in life, the life of those that are connected to me as a way of family or ministry or coworkers, just all the things, and the, even sometimes things that are not connected to us at all, but we're just watching the news, and we see all these things that are going on just in um, in life. And, and, and sometimes it's our life, sometimes it's the life of other people. Because things are just always happening, things are always going on, and uh, there's there's a there's a false perception is that that when you're a believer, that you don't have issues and um, you don't get disencouraged <laughs> that you're able to just do it and do everything and you know you never get disencouraged so you, we just take a lick and keep on ticking and and we 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 teach that and we we talk about that and that's not the reality. Uh, the reality is that sometimes we do get disencouraged. Uh, so tonight we're going to be talking about holding on when you don't want to, when you really want to let go. Um, and as we go down our, this walk, and sometimes we're assigned assignments, we're assigned to people and the different things that we've been called to do as it relates to our purpose. And we are fooling ourselves, and actually we're lying if we say there's never comes a time in our life where we don't get tired or we don't question God or we get to the point where we experience uh, disencouragement. So I want to talk about that today, holding on when you really want to let go and rising above disencouragement. And I think this is definitely appropriate as we wind up uh, 2015 uh, to, to focus on how we rise above this encouragement because me, myself, I, I have been disencouraged. Um, a lot of people find it hard to believe in. I, I've heard people even say to me directly that, you know, if you're a believer, you don't experience this encouragement. But we're going to talk about Scripture. We're going to go into Scripture tonight, and we'll, we'll, we'll give biblical proof that even the greatest man of God 
face discouragement. But the key thing is tonight is that we don't have to stay there. There's a way to rise above it. And we'll be coming from Jeremiah on tonight. But for those who have your Bibles, if you'll turn to Jeremiah the 20th chapter, and for those who don't have your Bibles, if you'll just make note, uh, and when you have time, just go back and read Jeremiah the 20th chapter. Uh, for most of us, if we are familiar with Jeremiah, there's one scripture that we quote all the time, uh, but we never we, we failed to focus on the scripture that led up to uh, for God knows the plans for your life and his plans are you toward good. So we, we get to that good part of the story and that's where we start at. And so everybody's just good, 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 good. But there are some things that actually took place that led up to that. And it's in, it's in the 20th chapter of Jeremiah. In the house of the Lord, heard Jeremiah prophesy these things. Then Peshar struck, struck Jeremiah the prophet and put him in the stocks and where in the high gate of Benjamin, which was by the house of the Lord. And it happened on the next day that Parshah brought Jeremiah out of the stocks. Then Jeremiah said unto him, The Lord has not called your name Parshah, but Mag Mishrabit. For thus says the Lord, Behold, I will make you a terror to yourself and to all your friends, and they shall fall down the force of the enemy, and your eyes shall see it. And I will give all of Judah into the hands of the king of Babylon, and he will carry them captive to Babylon, slay them with the sword. Moreover, I will deliver all the wealth of the city, all this produce, all this precious things, all the treasures of the king of Judah, I will give into the hands of their enemies, who will plunder them, seize them, and carry them to Babylon. And you, Parshar, and all you who dwell in your house shall go into captivity. You shall go to Babylon, and there you shall die and be buried, you and all your friends to whom you have prophesied to whom you have prophesied lies. So Jeremiah is telling this to uh, Pashar, and disencouragement is you know is a part of our life, and disencouragement comes often. Sometimes it comes when we um, do things <laughs> the right thing, and that's how we get disencouraged. When you're doing the wrong thing, you're, you're really not disencouraged. But disencouragement comes most often when you do right. And you do the right things, but you don't necessarily get good results. Sometimes you do the right thing, but you get poor results. Uh, you may work hard, but you don't make a lot of progress. You may show up for practice every day giving your best, but, you know, you may lose the game or you're not even picked to play in the game. And oftentimes we get discouraged because you spend time with our children. We're going out of our way to be the best parents that you can be, the best parents we can be, but they rebel and say that we don't love them, that you don't care about us. And, and and there's often times where we finally get to the point where we really trust God and we, and we actually submit. For the first time in our life as women, we, we finally find that thing that we submit to, whether it be to a calling of our life or maybe it may even be in a relationship because some women have issues submitting. So you finally get to that place where you submit and you're, and you're, and you're giving 110% of your relationship only to have your heart broken. These things happen, and, and when these type of things happen in our life, it would be false to say that we don't experience some type of disencouragement, that our heart doesn't get heavy when we finally find ourselves doing the right thing, but we don't get the, the results that we thought we would get. And I have personally experienced this. I've always been an uh, a independent person. and but so, so for the first time in my life when I decided to, that I would submit and actually follow biblical principles, and I got to a point where I was willing to you know, put my money in, in one savings account and have one checking account and not having my own stash and all those type of things. When I finally make that commitment to say, you know what, God, I'm going to, I trust you, I'm going to do this your, the way that you've designed for it to be, the results were not good. So I was very disencouraged. Disencouragement, and when you get 
disencouraged, it often eats like a hole in your heart, and it makes you want to quit. And sometimes when we get encouraged, it makes us say things that we would not normally say or things we shouldn't say. Sometimes we get disencouraged and we begin to, you know, uh, shake our hand or our finger or our fist at God because we're disencouraged. And that's how Jeremiah felt. That's exactly how he felt before he got to the scripture that you all know and love. For I know the plans for your life, said the Lord, and everything is good. Before he got to that point, he had to experience disencouragement. That's how that's how he failed. God God had called Jeremiah to speak a harsh message to a to a rebellious people. And he obeyed God. He did what God told him to do. Yet on one occasion, Jeremiah got so angered and assisted to the high priest and chief security officer of the temple, and his name was Peshara, that the man arrested Jeremiah. They 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 they, they arrested Jeremiah, they beat him. They threw him in jail. They locked him in stocks so that his body would be contoured. They they wanted him to experience pain. So here we find Jeremiah in deep distress, deep distress. And, and, and we can often relate to that because sometimes, sometimes it is a physical pain that we go through, but sometimes it's not a physical thing. It could be an emotional thing or it, it could be a spiritual thing, but we find ourselves going through deep distress. So Jeremiah, he endured the physical, the emotional, the spiritual, and professional anguish. He walked into a deep despair, all for doing God's will. And that's when disappointment normally comes when you know you're doing what's right. You're doing it for other people. You're doing it to glorify and honor God. But you're not getting the results that you feel or thought that you would have gotten. So they have Jeremiah in, in, in this place, and he's there for a day. And when Jeremiah is released next day, he he he, he comes out of his sentence. His sentence. He comes out. And he says something of, of his own, and he began to say to Bashar, He said, I, "I've given you a new name, terror on every side." This name described a terror Babylon would inflict on Judah. Specifically, the fate of Bashar would suffer when God's judgment fell. He would die and be and be buried outside of Israel, which was considered a judgment. For the, gen- for the Gentile lands and the labored unclean. But what difference would that make? He had been preaching lies in the name of God and encouraging idolatry in the temple, so why not live in a land of lies and eventually be buried? So th- these are all the things that Jeremiah was thinking. Jeremiah, he rises above disencouragement. He was so disencouraged because he's like, God, you know, I did all this for you, and I, I, I'm your child. And, and I don't know if you felt that way that, you know, you sowed because God led you to sow. You did this because God told you to do Some of us have stayed in marriages because God told you to stay in that marriage. You did what God told you to do. You, you, you went where God told you to, to go. You said what God told you to, to say. And you know it was God who said that. You, know, you knew it was God. You knew it wasn't yourself. You knew you would have not done these things on your, on your own. But you didn't get those results. So you find yourself disencouraged, and we've all been there. We've, I, I, I know I have. I've been there more than I would like to admit that I've been there. I've helped. I've sowed. I've went where God told me to go. I said what he told me to say. I did what he told me to do. I stayed when he told me to stay. And so sometimes when we're doing all those things, 
We expect for the results to be how we desire for the results to be. And when they're not, we find ourselves in this, 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 this area of disencouragement. And we find ourselves heavy and, and, and our hearts broken. When we prayed and God has told us what to pray and we're expecting for someone to rise up again and walk and we're expecting for them to live and not die and just the opposite happens. Or sometimes we've even told somebody that, oh, they're going to be okay. God, God said they're going to bring them through, and so they didn't bring it through. And you're like, God, I, I heard you say that you're going to bring this person through. So we become very disencouraged. How do we handle this? How do we, how do we rise above when we're disencouraged? How do, we, how do we just not sit there and waddle in our disencouragement and throw in the towel? How do we hold on when we want to let go? When you say, I'm tired of going driving to this church, nobody's going to be here. Nobody's listening. I'm tired of handing out these meals. No one appreciate. No one appreciates it. The more I do, it seems like the more they talk about it. I'm, I'm keep giving this word and I'm sending it, but no, there, no one's changing. I'm, the more good I do, the more I try to better myself. The more they just attack me. The more I sow, <laughs> the more they take. The more I sow, the less comes into me. Until so I'm just broken. I'm just, just. I'm just disencouraged. I don't want to sing in the choir no more. I don't want to do praise and worship no more. I ain't going back down to that church no more. I'm not helping that ministry no more. I'm not going to the school no more. I'm not doing nothing else for that child again because they don't appreciate anything, and I'm doing everything I know to do that's right, but things are just not lining up. And so I just want to throw in the towel. I, I, I just want to say I quit. I want to raise my white flag and just wave it and say, I surrender. You can have this. I did not sign up for all this. I deserve better than this. How do we rise above that? How do we get past the feeling of brokenness? How do we mend our heart? How do we pick ourselves up and keep going? And Jeremiah tells us how. The first thing is to be honest. And tell God how we feel. And a lot of scholars will debate this, but it's so, I said, you don't tell God and you don't tell God your disappointments and you just go before God and pray and you go before him like you're well and like you're happy and you're fine when deep and down inside you're hurting. Is that what we're supposed to do? <laughs> no, we're not. We're supposed to tell God how we really feel. Jeremiah was honest. If you look at the 7th chapter, 20 and 7, he said, O oh Lord, you induced me, and I was persuaded. You are stronger than I, and I have prevailed. I am in derision daily. Everyone mocks me. He, basically, he was saying like, he felt like God had deceived him. The word deceive means to entice or seduce. So now we know that God doesn't mislead or trick people, but Jeremiah felt that God had lured him into ministry only to make him a laughing stock. He's like, God, you told me to get up there and say that things are turning around. And I got up and I told those people that things were turning around. And when I said that, things sure did turn around. It's like things got worse. Why would you give me that word? Why would you have me say that to have me look bad? And this is how Jeremiah felt. So when he went before God, he didn't say, God, I thank you for this trial. I thank you for the tribulation. I thank you for the humiliation. I thank you for the ridicule. I thank you that I feel disencouraged. No, he did not. He said, God, why you do me like that? He, because that's how he felt. So the key thing of how we rise above this encouragement is we go to God we tell him exactly how we feel. Lord, I am heavy. My heart is broken. 
I love you, but I trusted you, and this did not turn out the way that I expected for it to turn out. God, help me understand this. And that's what Jeremiah said. He didn't go pretending with God, like he was okay with how things had, had turned out. And that's what we must do as well. When we go before God and we are when we get to the point where we want to let go and we, we're trying to hold on but we really want to let go, we have to go to God and say, God, you know what, I'm here Sunday after Sunday, and this $5 offering is not going to get it. This $5 offering is not going to pay the bills of this church. Lord, I keep doing for my kids. I keep doing, I keep doing, I keep doing. I've been the best mother I know how to be, and they just seem so ungrateful, Lord. I need you to turn some things around. I need some appreciation, Lord. Lord, I'm, I'm grieving. I'm grieving. It's the holidays, and, and you told me not to cry, and I'm trying not to cry. You told me to hold on. You told me that things are going to be okay, but, God, I'm not feeling okay today. I really miss my dad today, God. Help me here. That's the truth that he needs to hear. He felt, Jeremiah felt helpless, like a helpless girl who had been seduced and overpowered by a, a deceptive man. He felt really cool, and he felt offended. He felt like his voice was not making a difference. He was crying to the people to repent. Yet they continued forward in destruction and in judgment. Jeremiah was, when he began to go to God and just, just share his heart with God and tell him how he felt, he didn't do it publicly, but he went in private. And he said, God, this is how I'm feeling. So this is how we get past this encouragement. We're honest with him. God wants us to talk to him even when we're angry, upset, and frustrated. Even when you're mad, he wants to hear from you. He wants us to tell the truth. He wants to know how you really feel, woman of God, how you really feel, man of God. A lot of dishonesty goes on in relationships. When you're talking to your spouse and you know something wrong, like, baby, you okay? Oh, I'm good. Oh, it ain't nothing. Or you ask him, baby, you okay? He's like, no, I'm good. I'm, I'm, it, ain't, it ain't nothing. And you know when they're lying to you. You know when there's really something going on. You know when they're mad about something. You know all these things. And so it makes you feel a certain way when your husband is lying to you or your child is lying to you and you know they're lying, but yet we go before God the same way. A lot of dishonesty in relationships, even with God. People ask me, I'm really angry, angry with God. And at first, I need everyone to understand that anger is, is an emotion. And, all, and, and oftentimes, emotions are not either right or wrong. They just are. They just, that's just how I feel. It's not a right or wrong. It's a feeling. It's, it's an emotion. What we do with our emotions is separate, is a separate issue. So it's okay to have them, but what do we do with those emotions? How do we get to the point that we rise above this encouragement in our emotions? There's a lot of people are surprised. If you feel anger towards God, you should tell him. He's your father. God is big enough and strong enough to handle your hurt and your anger. So tell him about it. If you keep saying you're fine, why would he react? If you're sitting at a table and I walk up to you and I say, hey, are you hungry? You know, no, I'm not hungry. Hey, you want something to eat? No, I'm good. I'll come back to her later. You want some lunch? No, I'm all right. I don't, I, I, don't, I don't want anything. And you know you haven't ate in 24 hours and you're starving, but you keep telling me that everything is fine. So what does he have to react to if we're coming to him like everything is fine? He wants you to pour out your heart to him. He wants you to express what's in your heart. 
And that is how we, that is one of the ways that we rise above this encouragement and by just telling God, my heart is my heart is discouraged. My heart is heavy. I need you. And I'm, and, and, I, and, I, and I'm tired. Not the cliche things, but leave I run on just to see what the end going to be. You know, I'm, I'm reaching beyond the breaking. We're saying all these things in our mouth, but our heart feels something totally different. He wants to know what your heart really feels. We have to get to the point where we're so honest. Didn't Jesus pour out his heart to the Father? I can think of two. When he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he poured his heart out to God, to the Father. And when he was on the cross, he poured his heart out to the Father. He said, Father, why have thou forsaken me? Those are words of disencouragement. And a lot of times on this walk, I, I know that I've said it. I said, Lord, I know you said you wouldn't put no more on us we can bear. But you must tell me better than I know myself because I feel like I'm about to burn. I feel like I'm about to throw in the towel. I feel like I'm about to walk away. There's time where I said, Father, why have thou forsaken me? Come see about your daughter. And I don't feel bad about it because Jesus knew the mission. He left heaven to come to the earth and he knew his purpose and his calling. But even in his walk, he experienced disencouragement. The same way he pours heart out to the Father, we should do the same. Holding nothing back when we pray. We'd be telling the Lord exactly what's in our heart, especially when it's a bad feeling. By pouring out our emotions, we are freed from their hold. And we enter more deeply into a loving embrace from the Lord. Doesn't it feel good when you've been holding a cry back when something's going on in your life? And someone extends their arms, and you've been like just look, crying a little bit, like she ain't really just broke down. But then when someone extends their arms to you and say, "I'm here to embrace you," just let it out, and then you get that real ugly, deep, snot blowing cry. You begin to cry more deeply, and when that happens, you're able to release, and then you're freed from the hold of those emotions because you let them out, and that is the first step is rising above this encouragement as being honest. God does not want us stuck in anger or any of negative feelings that we may have. This is why we should be honest with God in prayer. We should go before God just are not with all this taught and, 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 and repetitious stuff, not pretending to be someone that we are not. If we're honest with God in prayer, he will feel the sense of deep freedom. And we'll find ourselves having a deeper relationship with God and less disencouragement when we're just open and honest with him. And the reality is <laughs> he already knows anyway. So we go to him with anything else, we're only fooling ourselves because he already knows. When we bottle up anger, even when it's anger towards God, the only person that it, it does, it does harm. It, it never does any good. So anytime we bottle up negative emotions such as anger and disappointment, it never turns out good. Even in our prayers, it clouds our relationship with God. God deserves that he desires real people, honest and forthright, who just are willing to pour their hearts to him, bringing all their motives and all their emotions. The truth is God knows the depths of our heart. He knows our thoughts. He knows our motives, our emotions, even before we speak them. So if we fail to be honest with God, then we're only deceiving ourselves. It's liberating. Doesn't it feel good when you've been holding on to something 
like when you overspend and you didn't want your husband to know about it or you posted paying a bill and you didn't pay it, and it's really eating you up and you're trying to find money everywhere you can to, to put that money back or fix that bill before he finds out or anyone finds out. And then you just carry it so long because God won't let things come together. Your normal resource that you normally have, their resources are not even available because God wants you to come clean. And so you finally come clean and you say, well, babe, you know, when we had went to lunch the other day, I was feeling really, really good before I knew that I had told all the women I was going to pay for them, thinking I could put the money back, and I couldn't put the money back, so I paid for them, so I'm $100 short, I ain't paid this bill. And then you just, a sigh of relief, you feel so good that you let it out. And he said, babe, that's not a, not a big deal. I knew something was going on anyway. I have $500 stashed. Instead of 100 he comes and gives you 200 Just because you were honest, he was just waiting to hear. He already knew something was wrong. He was just waiting for you to just come to confess what was wrong. And so you feel so good because of your, you've been able to release it. So it's the same thing with honesty with God. We're honest with, honest with God. It's liberating because we, we walk around dishonest, and that's the trick of the enemy to make us think that God doesn't know what he really knows anyway. So when you finally admit it, you're like, that, no, Dad, Father, yeah, this is who I am. I'm really heavy. I'm so glad you called me into ministry. I'm so glad you called me. I'm, so, I'm, I'm honored that you chose me to do this. But your daughter today, I'm just encouraged. So-and-so said this to her, and my feelings were really hurt. I, I, I smiled. I pretend like it didn't bother me, Father, because I didn't want to cause a scene, and I didn't want the enemy to know how, much, how hurt I was, but the comment really hurt me. It really hurt me. And those are the things that we have to be honest with God. So it, that, is, that is the number one thing that we have to do if we want to rise above this encouragement is when we go to the Father, let it know how we really feel. And Jeremiah was a prime example of that. When he went to him, he didn't sugarcoat it. He just said, no, Father, this is how I really feel. I feel like you set me up, and I'm hurt. I'm embarrassed, and it's okay to say those things. So, Chandra, I don't know if we had anyone else that joined tonight, but that, that, that's, that's part one is, is holding on when you want to let go, rising above this encouragement. The number one thing is being honest. So if anyone joined, we'll pause for a second to see if we have any questions or comments from the audience. We do have a um, some callers on the line. If they want to comment right now, feel free to go ahead and uh, ask Minister Randall to uh, any questions that you might have, or if you uh, have a comment on what she's uh, told us up to this point, you can uh, go ahead and do that at this time, callers. I do have a comment. I would like to agree on what you're saying about confessing to God or and talking to him about what you're discouraged about because it 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 releases something within you uh, to me, it makes me feel better and good that I can talk to him and communicate with him and and then expect to receive something from him, an answer or something might happen to confirm um, what I've told him, uh, make it easier for me to handle the disappointment or makes it easier for me to uh, feel good about talking to him, about releasing it, even though I'm just talking to him about it. 
often I've learned to do that, and uh, it just feels really, really, really good, Minister Randall, to be able to get that off and talk to him just like I talk to you. And oftentimes, um, you can come to you can come and send us your daily, and your daily is usually something which it, it you know it, it it doesn't baffle me because I know it's the Holy Spirit, but it's just so confirming because I've gone to God that morning about something that you say it uh, that you come right along and help me with through your dailies, and it's just like, was I talking to her? Was I talking to God? I know I hadn't been talking to you, you know. (laughs) And and it's just so wonderful, you know, to get the confirmation. So um, I just wanted to add that, and I wanted to let our listening audience know that it's easy to do. You can just talk to him, just like you said, just like... uh, Jeremiah was doing, you know, and he's going to either confirm you or tell you know about it, you know, or allow something to happen that day or give you some kind of inspiration to drop somebody in your path. You know, it's just going to be some kind of confirmation once you release that. Thank you. I was going to comment on it um, as well, uh, Jana. And, um, I guess for me, I feel like I'm letting him down um, when I'm feeling like I'm, I'm not getting past something or, you know, because it, for me, I always feel like I should be able to get past that or, you know, something is just, uh, hurt my feelings or I've come up short or miscalculated. You know, I, I guess I just put it on, 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 on me. Instead of going to him like you said, and and saying, "Hey, I messed up or whatever," I'm. I guess I try to fix it. Yeah, I mean, we often that, that that's not unusual. We most most people that that's our first reaction until we get to a point where we realize that no matter how skilled we are, no matter how old we are, no matter how long we've been doing a certain thing. That we, the power in ourselves, we don't have the power in ourselves to get things right and do things right all the time. And that's why he wants us to bring these things to him. Because as long as we try to keep doing them in ourselves, I find that it's, it's repeated circle. We just keep going in circles. Yes, because I was just about to say that. It's a vicious circle. <laughs> it's, a, it's a vicious circle because we keep trying to do it in ourselves. And then finally one day the light bulb came on to me in my 40s. Yes. I said, you know what? Okay, the, I've, been, I've been skirting this mountain long enough. <laughs> I mean, I've gotten to that point, and I'm like Sister LaShondra. I will, and and, and it's funny because we get the text, um, and and a lot of times I'll just forward it. I have some people that if I don't forward your text, they text me like, I didn't didn't get the word this morning. (laughs) And um, they will, I mean, with an attitude. And I'll be like, I'm sick, and they're like, no, you didn't. And I'll look, and and I'll probably miss them, and I'll send it. But I, a lot of times I will forward it before I have time to read it. Cause at the, uh, most of the time at the time that it comes, I'm like right in the middle of doing these reports that I do every morning. So I'll just go ahead and forward the word, and I'll put it out on, on my Facebook page, and then I'll read it later. And a lot of times I find that I wish I would have read this this morning or, you know, right when I got it, because either I was going through it or it came about, 
that, you know, right at that time, and I would have been more equipped to um, handle it because I had I would have already been encouraged. And mm-hmm. so they they are really a blessing, and I've learned so much uh, through those and through these um, um, conference little mini conferences we're having on Monday nights. Because right now I'm 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 right when I read what the topic was going to be, I knew I couldn't miss it because it, it's, it's, I feel like I'm in a fight right now, and I'm I'm like I can't lose this fight, so I'm trying to get all the encouragement that God is sending me. Amen. Amen. And that's the purpose. I mean, Brother White, Sister Beverly had extended the invite because, believe it or not, first of all, anything that I do, and I've said this a million times, it's not my doing. I don't have the wit or knowledge uh, to even do half the things that I do. So I'm smart enough to know that anything that I do that comes out right or if it's helping somebody, that it's all God. It has absolutely nothing to do with me other than the fact that I'm just being obedient uh, obedient to God. And um, those, those, the texts of the morning devotion that you get, they don't come out of someone who's reached perfection. A lot of times the things that I just text you that morning, things that I just got through, I just got delivered from God, just gave me that word, so I'm sharing that word with you because I've experienced it. Ninety-nine percent of those things are things that I got not through word of revelation but through word of, by way of experience. Uh, we get things by reading and studying. We get things by experience, and then we get things by revelation. Um, and so as you go through experiences, God often gives you revelation, and when he gives a revelation, he, he wants us to share that because eventually if you mastered it, you won't be going through it again. But if you have not mastered it, some of those uh, daily devotions, I will have a back pull up for myself because I may find myself back that again if I don't master that particular situation. If I don't if I don't test that, then I find myself back that way again. And so we, we thank God for that. But the, the spirit of disencouragement is it, important because I know – Men do it, but at a different level than what we do it at because we make all these. I don't do New Year's resolutions. I do not. But I do have goals, and I do have uh, target things that I have physically, spiritually, financially that I try to do uh, uh, monthly. And so this year financially has been a very challenging year for me um, in an area that I've never had challenges before. And so in that area, of course, disencouragement comes because I believe that I've done what God told me to do. And when you're doing what God told you to do and sowing where God told you to sow and you're still coming up short somewhere, you will find yourself disencouraged. But I do understand that it's the trick of the enemy. And that I and, and so the key thing is being honest. And so I had that conversation with God, very similar to what Jeremiah's conversation was. But the second part of this thing is how do we how do we rise above this encouragement is and so for a change, thank you for reaching out today. Because if you reach out today because we got we, we got our money fixed up. I almost said no today because just how I was feeling today. And then the Holy Spirit had to quicken me and say, be obedient and keep doing what you've been called to do. So that is the second way that we rise above this encouragement is do what you're called to do. I was trying to have a pity party today. I really was. I, <laughs> have you ever just wanted to cry? <laughs> maybe just maybe that's just me. Have you ever just wanted to cry? Like you really feel like you could use a good cry. You just want to let it out. Right. I really mm-hmm. want to have a pity party today. So at first she reached out and said, well, are we going to go forward tonight? My first my first thought was, no, nah, I'm, I'm going to go home and, get in, and take a shower and I'm going to get in the bed and I'm going to eat something <laughs> I'm not supposed to eat and I'm going to have a pity party because I should be having a pity party this time of year, this time of year. And I ain't crying yet. Mm-hmm. I made it through Thanksgiving, I made it through Christmas. I haven't, shed, I haven't cried a sad cry. And then God said, no, you do you overcome this encouragement by doing what you're called to do. So if you look at Jeremiah 20 and, and 9, 
uh, this is Jeremiah. This is what Jeremiah said. The man y'all love, the man y'all all got in y'all. Y'all, y'all know all of that scripture, Jeremiah. Every woman knows Jeremiah twenty nine and eleven. This mm-hmm. same man, he said. Then I said, I will not make mention of him. He said he ain't gonna mention God no more. Hmm. Nor speak wow. anymore in nor speak anymore in his name. But his word was in my heart like a burning fire. Shut in my bones. I was weary of holding it back, and I could not. So he said, "I ain't doing this no more. I ain't helping people. I'm. I ain't. Don't call me. I'm not coming to speak. I ain't going back down. I ain't teaching no Sunday school. I ain't teaching no brothers. I ain't having no women and white program. I ain't doing no proud brothers. I'm not doing no women's retreat. I'm done fooling with y'all because y'all gonna do what y'all want to do anyway. And I ain't speaking because it ain't helping nobody anyway. He said, I'm not doing that no more. I ain't mentioning you, God. I'm not saying your name anymore. I'm going back into my corner, and don't bother me. I won't bother you because I don't bother nobody. He went back to Kimo. He said, don't come for me unless I send for you. Just leave me alone. <laughs> I ain't mentioning God no more. I'm done with all this shenanigans. That's what he wanted to do. But he said the word was in his heart like a burning fire. Shut up in his bones. He was weary of holding it back, and he could not hold back. So that's how we overcome this encouragement, that even when you feel like throwing in the towel, when somebody probably deserved the deuces, you stay faithful to what God had called you to do. Now, Peshawar, his, 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 his action was unjustified. Jeremiah was ready to let go of God and leave him out of all conversation, but he couldn't do it. He couldn't do it. He would not be at peace doing anything else than what God called him to do. And some of you on this line, you think you want to quit, but you wouldn't be happy. You wouldn't have peace selling Mary Kay because God didn't call you to do Mary Kay. You wouldn't have peace at the post office. You wouldn't have peace being that checker at greeter at Walmart, that, that job we all say we're going to get when we retire, go to Walmart and just check people highlighter off. You That's going to be your ministry. No, that's not going to be your ministry. <laughs> You you wouldn't find peace there because the word is in you now. The word is in you like fire shut up in your bones. So you you couldn't keep quiet. You can't just be a bench member. You said, I'm going to church. I'm just going to join somewhere. I'm going to sit back. I'm not going to do nothing. You couldn't do that. If you don't get off my street, I appreciate it. Right on the corner. I'm just waiting for her to quit. That's all. I want her to stop. Everything that you just said, I promise you, I just told somebody that two days ago. Hmm. Every single, I'm done. I'm, I don't, everything, everything. My best, exactly where my mind was at. So when I saw what the topic was, and I've been getting all these little things saying, you know, don't give up. God, you know, he's right there. And when the when the enemy is coming at you as hard as he's coming, you know, it's because he knows what's in store. And I'm like, okay, God, you you know my mind was done, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> because it was I, I'm, I was at the point of I'm tired. It's like everything is a fight. Why am I? Why? Are you, you know, why is it, why is it a fight? You know, and, and and I'm like, I know what the word says, and why does it seem like everybody, not everybody, but you know, why is it coming at me like that is not 
you know, or obstacles are coming like it's not going to happen or, and, and he keeps like, just, you know, stay where I put you, do what I tell you to do. And I'm like, I'm, I'm tired of, you know, I'm tired. And, and, and I'm like you having trouble in, in areas that I've never had issues before. And it's like, really, really, you know, but at the same time, I don't have it in me to walk away from what he's given me. Yeah, because because it's not it's, it's not it's not in us it's not in us to walk away. Jer- and we have to understand, Jeremiah wasn't preaching because he had to say something. You're not none of us are doing this because we have to say something or we have to do something. We're right. doing this because we because. Not because he had to say something. It's because he has something to say. So when God is giving you, you don't have to say something, but God has given you something to say. And not doing and not saying what God has called us to do will destroy us. You would die if you didn't do what God called you to do. That's how it feels. That's how it's a fight. It is a fight. It's a fight because it's like, how can I not, you know? And at the same time, all this stuff is coming at me, and I'm like, but I can't not do it, so how do I handle all this, you know, and still focus? I mean, my mind has been, it's like everywhere. Like it's trying to keep me off focus, you know. Like you be honest with, you be honest so with God. You be honest with God, number one. You be obedient to God and keep doing what God calls you to do. And I say this to everybody else, and I, and I, and I, I stand by the comment I'm going to make. If you can happily do something else, then go do it. It never happens like that. If you can happily go do something else, then what God has called you to do, go do it. Because if you can go do something else happily, they let you know you weren't called to do it in the beginning. Exactly. I'm going to tell you. If I can walk away. (laughs) If I can walk away from ministry altogether. I can walk if I can walk away from ministry all together today. I mean, I never testify. I never do praise and worship again. I never speak at another seminar. I never send out another text. I never sow word or deed or money to no one ever again. If I can walk away and go get me a condo in New York, hang out and drink mimosos every day, and never pick up my Bible and share a word of God again, and I'm happy, then let me know I wasn't called in the beginning. Right. That's okay. true. Okay. And be happy. I ain't saying you can walk away from it and you sit there crying and you boohooing and you feel like you're missing something and you, you, you know, you're still trying to preach even though you just stepped all out of it. I mean, but I can walk away from all this and forget about Glow and all the sessions, forget about the bad girl's revival. She's, if I can walk away and forget about all that and have no feelings whatsoever, then I should do that. Because that's my sign that I would, this ain't my sign. Fine. No, you can walk away it. from a man, and you ain't thought about that man when you walked away. That wasn't your man. Well, amen. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> and you like you know, that, that, that wasn't your man. Because I, I had people walk with me and mention the man. I had to think about who they talking about. Who <laughs> 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 I walk? Okay. <laughs> okay. So if you can walk away, then we then we know. So the first the, the first two things I'm going to try to get off. We have about 15 more minutes. Is to be honest with God. That's how we overcome disappointment. 
uh, to be obedient. That means we keep doing what God has called us to do. What God has called us to do, not what someone else has called us to do. What God has called us to do. Number three, we have to be watchful, and we have to know that God is with us. You must know that God is with you. Look at 20 and 11. It says, but the Lord is with me as a mighty, awesome one. The Lord is with me as a mighty, awesome one. The Lord is with me as a mighty, awesome one. Therefore, my persecutors will stumble and will not prevail. They will, great, they will be greatly ashamed, for they will not prosper. Their everlasting confusion will never be forgotten. The Lord is with me as a mighty, awesome one. So we have to be watchful, and we have to know. Jeremiah realized that he wasn't alone. We have to open our eyes and see that we're still standing because we're not alone. And that's how we overcome this encouragement. But the Lord is with me like a violent warrior. He was not on a losing side. He was going to win because the Lord was with him like a mighty warrior. God will deal effectively in his own time with our enemy, that sometimes our situation is our enemy. Enemy is not necessarily a person. It could be also a place or thing. An enemy could be a person, place, or thing, which is a noun. So it could be your finances. It could be your health. It could be your diabetes. It could be your high blood pressure. It could be your mortgage. It could be your car note. But the key thing that we have to know how we overcome is that the Lord is with me. Not only is he with me, but he's as a mighty awesome one, which which equates to a violent warrior warring on your behalf. And just like Daniel, when he prayed, said, but God, I prayed. And he said, Daniel, I heard the first time you prayed. So, women of God, we have to see what's blocking. What What is blocking? Who's blocking what God has already released? Because God's already released it. We ain't really waiting for him to do anything because it's already done. What he wants to come on earth has already been released from the heavens. We just have to have to tap in and bring it down. And don't beat yourself up thinking that just because you're discouraged or things are not going well that you did something wrong. Joseph never did anything wrong. He had dreams. He shared his dream with his blood brothers. He was favored by his father. He had favor with the Lord. Never did a bad deed that's recorded in the Bible. Never did anything wrong. But yet he found himself cast into a ditch. They were going to kill him. And Reuben, his brother, saved him. He felt guilt. And they sold him into slavery, only to go into slavery to be accused of rape by potters for wives to be thrown in prison. All for righteousness' sake. All so that God can be glorified. So when they, when you do come out, when you are encouraged again, when you are on top again, you they sometimes God sends us through so much stuff. So when people see us, they don't have to say God did that. She couldn't have done that on her own. Her debt was too big. Her illness was too great. Her situation was too low. She couldn't have brought herself out. God had to do that. So a lot of times we go through these things just so God can say for. Our good and for his glory. Well, people look at us and they say, God did that thing. She didn't fix it on her own because a man couldn't fix that. A woman couldn't fix that. It has to be God to fix that. So that's the other thing that we have to be watchful. We have to know that the Lord is with us. We have to know he's with us. How do you know he's with us? Because if he wasn't with you, the devil would have ate you up by now. Hmm. You'll be somewhere and overdose on pills in a, in, a, in a same asylum with all the things that we went through. That's how you know God is with you. Because the enemy would have shifted you, shifted you like wheat if God wasn't with you. But God raised up a standard. 
So when the enemy came in like a flood, God raised up a standard to protect you, and that's how you know God is with you because you ain't back getting drunk every day because you ain't back smoking dope every day. That's how you know God is with you. You ain't let this discouragement push you over the edge. You on this call tonight. You ain't sitting up at the beer store. You ain't the hookah lounge tonight. You ain't out looking for a fix, but you're on a call at 8 o'clock at night on a Monday because God is with you. And he said, woman of God, get on this call this morning. Maybe I have something to say to you that's going to encourage your heart today, to raise you up and show you how to rise above this encouragement. And just be honest with me because I love you, and you can tell me anything. Be obedient because you know I called you because if I didn't call you, you wouldn't have called in. You would be somewhere wallowed in your mess. And be watchful and know that I'm with you. Look around you and tell that I'm with you. Your house wasn't damaged by the tornado. You're right there in DeSoto. You're right there in Glen Heights. We're right here in Lancaster, and God protected us because he is with us. And when he's with us, we know that we win. We know that we win. And the final thing that Jeremiah taught us in the 13th chapter, he says, Sing to the Lord. Praise the Lord, for he has delivered the life of the poor from the hand of the evildoers. We got to worship. Praise God with your whole heart, even when you're feeling disappointed, even when there's despair, even when you don't know how you're going to make it, even when you don't know which way to turn, find a praise. I heard Jay Moss, I got a praise on the inside that I can't mm, keep, to can't keep to myself. A holler stirred up for the depth of my soul. So forgive me, excuse me if I sound a little <laughs> giddy or maybe even show you, but praise is a way that I say thanks. Mm. Then there's, there's another song where I say, I will dance, I will sing, and be crazy for my king. Nothing more will hinder this desire in my soul. And I'll, ooh, Lord help me, Jesus, uh, I'll give you undignified praise. Undignified praise. That means with the tears on the snot, you can get up and dance, you break dance, whatever you do for the Lord, but worship him. Praise God with your whole heart. And Jeremiah, despair turned to joy. He, his attitude, his defeated attitude turned to triumph. Now, this is a man that said, I wish I'd never been born. Just a few chapters before, he was mad. He said, I, I wish I'd never been born. I, I, I wish I'd just died. But by him doing well, we be honest with God, by him being obedient to God, by him being watchful and knowing that God was with him, and by him worshiping and offering up a sacrifice of praise for God with his whole heart, his defeat, his attitude turned into triumph. His dismay turned into courage. The key that unlocked the door to victory was praise. Mm. Jeremiah triumphantly proclaimed, sing unto the Lord, praise the Lord. Praise is the one weapon that we have as an arsenal against the against Satan has no defense to. He can't get in our praise. When we praise God, we acknowledge that He is in charge. He can do what He wants, when He wants, how He wants. Praise is more than just acknowledging God for the good that comes our way. Praise is accepting God from all that comes our way, both the good and the bad. The praise we offer when things don't go our way is far more precious than God than the praise we offer when all is well. So when you can find, you can stand before God tonight and say, Lord, even in the midst of these bills, 
even in the midst of this sickness, God, I don't like it, God. I don't like being broke. I don't like my financial situation. I don't like living from paycheck to paycheck. I don't like giving myself these injections. I don't like taking these six pills a day. Lord, I know I don't like it, but I praise you anyway just for being God. And I give you thank God that I have insurance that I can get this medicine, Lord. Lord, I thank you for Medicare and Medicaid. Lord, I thank you for the old bubble plane. Lord, I thank you for that long line at Parkland. I'm only paying $5 prescription where this prescription really costs $100. You find a way to praise him even on the stuff that the devil try to make you go bad. You find a way to give God praise and say, Lord, I thank you. I thank you. I thank you for letting me even experience home ownership. I thank you for allowing me to step into a brand new car, Lord, something I've never done before. I, I'm always going to get in a car two years old, Lord. I thank you for this time, this moment, for this opportunity just to experience being able to purchase a new car. Lord, I thank you. I don't know how I'm going to make it, but I know that I'm going to make it through you. I don't know how it's going to come, but I know that you're going to make a way for me. And, Lord, I pray you for the way that's already made instead of saying, woe is poor is me. You find a way to get a praise. Praise recognizes who our provider is. Praise acknowledges that God has a plan. When we start praising him, that means that we've left despair. We ain't despair. We're not walking in despair anymore. When we begin to praise him, we know. That means we trust God. So God, no, you got me. I don't like this, and I'll be glad when this is over. I ain't going to lie. I'm sick and tired of the Lord. But I'm going to go through this because I know you got me. We acknowledge that he has a plan. Praise accepts the presence. Praise is based on total joyful acceptance of the presence as part of God's love and perfect will. So even I don't like it, I'm going to praise you because if I wouldn't be here if you didn't have me here for a reason because I don't serve the devil so the enemy has no rights over my life. I refuse to believe that the enemy can dictate anything in my life because I have power over Satan. So as I'm going through this, I, I accept that this is part of your plan because I'm going to be a woman of greatness. I'm going to be a lender, not the borrower. I'm going to be a king of finance. I'm a person of wealth. And so I'm going through this. You're teaching me something. Father, show me what you're teaching me as I go through this. What, show me what I need to know. I know this billion dollars is coming. So I'm going through this dry spell, this badly experience, being thrown in the ditch, being put in prison, being falsely accused. I'm doing all these things because I know that it's a part of your plan. And then we get into Jeremiah 29 and 11, the one y'all love. A few characters later, Jeremiah records words to Israel, for I know the plans for you. This is the Lord's declaration plans for your welfare, not for disaster. To give your future and a hope. Thou weaves tapestry to our life. We won't always see the finished product. Sometimes we get to the when we get to the end, we have to share our difficulties and tell people about what we went through. When we realize God has a plan, we have two options. We can fight, fight it, or we can embrace it. We can fight God's plan or we can embrace God's plan. Because woman of God, if you don't God's side of it, it's a part of his plan. The enemy no longer has dominion over your life. And if he steps in, we have the power to speak him out. So tonight, in order for us to get past this encouragement, we have to learn to be honest with God. Go to him like your father. We have to be obedient. Keep doing what he's called you to do, even when it's hard. Push push your way. Be watchful and know that God is with you. And that if God is with you, you ain't got nothing to worry about. And last but not least, we must be worshipful. Worshipful, full of worship. Praise God with your whole heart. Do not go to bed listening to Dr. Phil. Do not go to bed watching Lifetime Sad Stories, but put some worship on. Don't go to bed listening to sad songs. I Won't Complain is not a song you'll be listening to in this season. That's That song that needs to be pulled up no more. Delete that from your playlist. Because it makes you cry. 
by worship. We want something that makes us worship, proclaim his goodness, <laughs> his love, our love, our gratitude. We don't anything to make us cry. I know your soul been anchored in the Lord. I know you've been struggling. I know you've been straining. I know you're just nobody trying to tell somebody about everybody who can save anybody. <laughs> but if it makes you cry, if it breaks your spirit, if it don't give you joy, then we don't want to listen to it, even though if it's gospel. Yeah, it may be a church song, but we, we're not on, on the plantation and listen to old Negro spirituals that make us feel good about our poor situation. We're looking for something that's going to motivate us, that's going to bring us up. And that's why we go into worship, God. And we worship you and we magnify you. You make me happy. You make me whole. You take my breath away. I'm so in love with you. Everything about you, God, is right. You cover all my wrongs. Our God is a good God. He will fight for me. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. I'm moving forward. I'm not going back. Those are the things that we need to do to bring up our encouragement. So I thank God for his word on tonight. I pray that someone was blessed. Be honest. Tell God how you feel. Be obedient. Keep doing what you've been called to do. Be watchful. Know that the God is with you. And be worshipful. Praise God with your whole heart. So, women of God, there's any men of God on the phone tonight. I, I've shared with you what God has given to me. I hope it's been food to your soul. Uh, and LaChandra, at this time, I'll hand it back into your hands, and we'll go as we should go before we close out on tonight. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Minister uh, Randall, tonight for this uplifting topic. Um, I think you just totally made my evening. Um, as I go forth now, I can just go into praise and worship with the God because of the things that I have been going through, because of the things that I've been, the ways that I've been feeling. I have got a message tonight. I receive everything that you're saying, telling us tonight online. And if anyone has any comments or questions uh, for Minister Randall, we have a few more minutes to um, conduct this program. If we, if anyone has any more comments or questions, go ahead right now. All is well. Okay, then I... Uh, the person on six four nine five. Do you have any questions? Okay, uh, sisters, thank you for joining us tonight. We appreciate your uh, support this year with my sister, my friend. Uh, we will continue, and the new year coming with more of Minister Randall and more of my sister, my friend. We will be here on Monday nights. Um, we're looking to expand for the children on Tuesday nights. And on Wednesday, we have openings. And on Thursday, we have Ms. Uh, Wanda McKinley with a domestic violence show that she shares with us on Thursday nights. On Friday nights, we have Street Talk with LaShawn talking to uh young people from the ages of uh, 17 to 35 about what's going on um, and their issues. And then on Saturday morning we have Minister Joel Lewis who talks to men and uh, gives us um, uh, inspiration and lifting up the men and just going before God with what God gives him. And um, 
on Sunday we have uh, First Real Will Baptist Church, or we play excerpts from <laughs> our previous shows. If you care to listen to this show again, you can always go to blog www blog talk radio forward slash Granny's Place and uh, look for our show, My Sister, My Friend, and it is titled. My sister, my friend, holding on when you want to let go with Minister Randall, or you can listen to any of our previous shows, um, getting some inspiration. I have truly been inspired tonight. I have um, learned a little more and made glad about it. And if we ha- uh, don't have any more comments, concerns, or questions, we're going to ask Minister Randall to go ahead and close the show tonight with prayer. Amen. We thank you all again on tonight, and we're going to close out in prayer. Father, we, we thank you for those who gathered tonight. God, they came out because they were seeking something from you. And, Father, you know all of our needs, and we ask you to meet us at the point of our needs. Father, we know that you've called us to do great work, and so we ask you to give us the wisdom to follow your steps, God. Lead us and guide us. And, Father, when we face this encouragement, give us the power to keep going, Father. We will not abort this mission. We will not quit. We would not turn around. We would not go back to being the people that we used to be. We would not go back to fishing, Father, but we would stay on the course. Even when the evidence before us comes contrary to what the Word says, we choose to believe your Word tonight, Father. We choose to believe your report. We ask that hope arise tonight. We ask that faith arise in the heart of the men and the women of God to help us keep moving forward. And, Father, from this day forward, we make a vow. We, we, we make a we make a declaration to come before you in honesty, Father, because you said that we, when we come to you, we must come to you in the spirit of truth. So we will come to you as our Father, because as we accept you as our Father, we have the right to come to you as, as your daughter's Father. So tonight when we approach you in prayer individuals, we will approach you just as our Father. Father, we will be obedient because we know that you are with us. We have nothing to fear because you're with us. And we will be watchful, God, in everything that we do and everything that we say. Father, and we will be worshipful. We will offer, we'll offer the sacrifice of praise on tonight, God, and we give you glory and we give you honor. Now, Father, on tonight, look on Sister Beverly on tonight, God. Bless her, God. Encourage her, God. Increase her faith, God. Touch her body, God, from the crown of her head and sole of her feet. Meet her at the point of her knees. And do the same thing to those faithful ones that are serving with her, God. Bless this ministry, God. Touch the heart of those who labor with Granny's Place, Father, and help them to sow into this ministry that the God has given this great woman of God. We give you praise, we give you honor, we give you glory, and we magnify you in your son, Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And amen. And amen. Thank you, my sisters, for joining us tonight. We will see you again on next Monday. It will be the first Monday of the new year. God bless each of you. Happy New Year to you. Be safe. Uh, watch your surroundings and be watchful. To God be the glory. I love you. Amen. And good night. Good night.